Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, and welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast midweek edition this time. Uh, in case you missed it, we had a game today, Nick. It uh, snuck up on us, I think, a little bit after that holiday weekend us Americans are coming back from. Uh, what a Wednesday to be alive, am I right? What a Wednesday for a Premier League match um, <laughs> you know, against a, an up-and-comer uh, featuring one John Terry. So, yeah, lots of storylines and very little time to recover from the weekend. Did you need to recover quite a bit well i mean you you weren't here on sunday so um, he was not you, know, you, you got a, you got a nice weekend off from the from the <laughs> bullshit back. so so you get for going to nebraska it'll ride you hard that's right it's been awful dan you doing all right i know you traveled i'm doing great i'm doing perfectly fine you know no no issues right. with a midweek match for me get it done must be nice west coast all right well uh let's go ahead and uh give a little preview of what's going on today obviously we played villa uh, but Nick, we've got an overall theme for today. Yes, the overall theme of today's podcast is reunited, and it feels so good. Uh, obviously, John Terry coming back to the bridge and all of the preamble that that came with his uh, return um, was great. And I think Dan, it's just it's pretty special to see you know the way that Chelsea in the last few years specifically are kind of honoring legends even if they don't necessarily work for the club absolutely and the way that the supporters put together the amazing tifo for john terry kind of pulled that banner across 
whether it was a journalist, whether it was fans, everyone was snapping shots, posting it, making sure to call it out, and just a brilliant effort all around. So uh, credit to the supporters in the, the We Are The Shed and everyone who stitches together that activity because it's not just the club, but it's also the great supporters of the club putting it together too. I thought you were talking about Jose and United on the <laughs> other side of Ooh. the schedule. <laughs> Uh, but we're not, thankfully. So what we will talk about kicking it off is obviously we'll host a, an official Tammy Abraham fan club meeting today. Then we'll rebuke the claims that Mason Mount needs to be dropped in quotes. And then we'll go ahead and pick out a few other key performers during today's match. <laughs> William. <clears throat> Anyways, before we stir the pot too much, Dan, uh, quickly run us through our five star loving on Apple podcasts. Yeah, not a problem. So we did get uh, Marty Gilmore giving a little love, especially to Nick after meeting up in person in Kansas City. Yeah. I'm still shocked that we got a five-star review after that, but <laughs> okay, good on them. A little bit of charity action, always appreciated. Anything yeah, is Lars possible. from Norway dropping some love as well. Just going to continue to plow right through it, no problem. Honorary Kumquat, member of our Patreon, member of our Discord, dropping on the five-star review too. Just some really... Nice, positive vibe. Special shout out to Twin Cities Blues chapter leader, Chadwick Harris, a big time friend of the pod, been on the trip twice with us. Uh, hope to see you at the pub this weekend. And that's on me, not you, but a special shout out to him. And then Nick, Miguel has joined our Patreon, but more exciting than just Miguel joining is that we have revised rewards. That is correct. Yeah, so if you didn't catch our social posts uh, on Tuesday of this week, we did um, revise and kind of condense what our Patreon uh, rewards tiers are. So we have a $3 and a $5 tier now. Uh, we kind of uh, went away with the $1 tier because we didn't feel like it was providing enough value to our our patrons. So uh, each new level has uh, new physical prizes and uh, intangible benefits. Um, please go check it out if you're at all interested. It's it's a no pressure type of deal, but it's been a really cool way to build our our community and have private things like the Discord server and our FIFA uh, league and a whole bunch of other fun stuff that's going on. So uh, if you're interested, patreon.com forward slash London Blue Pod. Yeah, and then lastly, uh, if you missed it, we launched our very own London is Blue podcast scarf, and it is available Sexy. to the few people uh who want to buy the remaining ones they are moving quickly they were already offered to patreon they snapped up a bunch of them uh but the remaining ones are open to the public twenty dollars for united states residents twenty five dollars international you can paypal us at contact at london is blue podcast.com or interview or e or email us at that and we can uh connect with you on how to get it uh dan will be shipping them out in a little bit, it takes a while to get it going. But uh, if you want to see it, check out our social media, check out our Patreon page. But it is time to get into the business, the match review here. So it was Aston Villa in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge this past Wednesday, December 4th. In case you missed it, Chelsea 2, Aston Villa 1. So the goals here, uh, we'll let uh, Jake run in the clips here. But in the 24th minute, kicking it off. Tammy Abraham. This time he goes back to James. He clips one over toward Abraham. He's back. Big, big goal from Tammy Abraham. No celebration out of respect. And it's Chelsea 1, Aston Villa 0. And then fast forward to the 41st minute. Trezeguet 
uh, bringing him back on level terms. Well, that's a great cross from El Mohamedi, and he's bundled in. Trezeguet gets the equaliser for Aston Villa. It's a strange kind of a finish. It's static Chelsea defending. And then lastly, Mason Mount in the 48th minute, a game winner. Managed to get it in. Abraham knocks it down. Mason yeah! Mount! What a goal! What a goal! Fantastically finished. Mount back in the goals. Chelsea back ahead. Uh, great to see him back in the lineup, getting some good minutes and obviously a goal. So, Dan, run us through the lineup real quick. Well, we had Kepa between the six. Sticks, no surprise. We did see the left back, right back pairing of Azpilicueta and Reese James with a it's center back pairing of Andreas Christensen and Kurt Zuma. Moving forward in the lineup, we saw the midfield two of Kovacic and Conte with Mason sitting just ahead of them. William and Pulisic on the wings and then Tammy as the individual up top for the Blues. We saw Willie Caballero, Vakayo Tomori, Emerson, Olivier Giroud as unused substitutes. And we saw Calm Hudson-Doy, Mishi Batshuayi, and Jorginho all come in for a little bit of charity minutes and legwork at the end just to make sure they didn't get too stiff on that bench. Just to give you a little bit of context on the stat sheet, Chelsea's 64.4% possession, nine shots on target out of a total of 25. Villa had nine shots, three on target, uh, dominated the touches, dominated the passes. Um, uh, Villa with 30 clearances. Gotta love <sighs> seeing that. I mean, my gosh. That's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> the two cautions for Chelsea, one for Villa, uh, and uh, 18 fouls conceded for Chelsea. Anyways, uh, Kaylee underscore graphics rocking the expected goals again with Chelsea at 2.1, Villa 0.9. Nick, what did you make of this when I give you the stats, the expected goals? Kind of balance this out with that eye test that you love to pro- provide. Well, I mean, what, what you saw today, um, you know, outside of, I think, 20 or so good odd minutes for Villa where they kind of picked it up and got their goal. Chelsea were pretty dominant um, for, for the rest of it. And you look at the kind of scatter plot of chances that Chelsea uh, should have uh, created or done a little bit more with Dan. And I think that might be, even though the result of the game was positive, I think that might be the story of the game for me is that this team needs to be more clinical. They created so much in or around the box and just outside of it. I mean, if you have nine shots on target and convert two of those, you know, even if Tom Heaton stands on his head, you, you have to be doing better than that. I think that's fair. I think when you look at what the two current narratives are around this season is converting chances and lacking clean sheets. So at the front and at the back, we're a little bit suspect. The midfield has been a strong point for us, and it's really just been figuring out the the two ends of the pitch where we've struggled to maybe have the level of consistency that we would like. But at the end of the day, a win is a win, and ultimately we're, we're putting ourselves in the position to convert the shots. It's just woodwork. It's, you know, hoodwink. It's voodoo magic, whatever it is, like, Thankfully, we're finding a way past it at the moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, this turns around a bit of a, you know, potential problem. You lose this one, drop points again, all of a sudden, team's on a bad run. But thankfully, it didn't. And a huge part of that was Tammy Abraham. So after being out injured over the weekend, uh, after falling on his ribs, I thought he broke ribs when we saw that in the Champions League game, just the way he was walking off and everything. 
Uh, man, did he give a wink and a nod indicating that he may in fact start this game. Thank you to Mike Ryan's mic'd up interview with him. Uh, but he didn't give anyone notice that he delivered that big of a performance. And as Dan likes to reference, an NBA jam on fire type of performance. Man, what about his performance? Stood out to you specifically, Dan, uh, when it came to Tammy. And feel free to use any of the sources you have cited in our script to help build your argument. Man, the dude is hungry and feast. Like, he is sniffing out <laughs> where he needs to be. He is making every opportunity to put himself in a position to score. You know, there were a couple times he was out wide. There was a couple times he dropped back. So he was showing off the pace today. He was showing off the the strength in chesting down the ball to put it at Mason's uh, in Mason's foot, essentially, to convert that incredible chance. I mean, just everything. Everything he was doing in an all-around game, it is the first time since, in my mind, since we had you know Diego Costa on form that we've had a striker up top where I'm like, oh, he's going to score. Even if he's having a bad day at the office, he's going to score. And one of those great stats, because I don't want to hog all of them because there's so many good ones. So at 14, only Jamie Vardy, 17, has been directly involved in more Premier League goals this season than Tammy Abraham, 11 goals and three assists, Nick. He is, again... NBA Jam on fire right now. Yeah, you know what's wild, though, is if he would have had a little bit of luck today, he would have had another hat trick at the very least. Uh, you know, like, I, I think that's the the kind of crazy part, and especially as you look at, um, you know, what we did without him on the weekend. It showed you how much how much of a difference he can make, and then... You know, if if the one you know that kind of bounced in front of the in front of Heaton and then he kind of like nudged out of bounds, or if he would have finished that clean breakaway that he had a little bit better, like I think there are just some things that even though he got his goal and certainly had an amazing assist, and I'm not taking that away from him, I I think he he was unlucky in a lot of ways to not have a hat trick upon return. I think that that is absolutely correct. When we've taken Tammy Abraham out of the lineup it has not been as clean it's not been as fluid you know you have Mishi who lives offside and you have Drew who is more statuesque than uh, in stature and in form on the playing field so ultimately it's not again a slight against those players it's just a matter of fact of where their performances have lined up this season and the drop off from Tammy to our reserve strikers is so drastic. You know, it's one of those, uh, you know, bad stock market news days when you see the line and it just goes straight down and then has this other plateau when the market closes. So yeah, Brandon, I, I think, you know, the other thing we might want to highlight is the fact that Tammy now in 14 games with 11 goals has equaled Murata's debut campaign of 31 games, 11 goals. And that's just another stunning stat to talk about how prolific he is. Yeah. Um, that's probably the first time in a long time everyone, anyone has used uh, Murata and prolific in the same sentence, even to degrade him. Uh, <laughs> so he's got that going for him. Underlining a point, not, not looking to degrade him, just talk, like using it to, you know, put a little bit more respect on Tammy Abraham's name. Respect. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no, look, Tammy's, his goal record right now is just on fire, you know, Nick, I think you could probably say an informed striker is probably the most important player to any team, especially in the Premier League. And and that's why they just make so much damn money is because, I mean, Vardy is, 
you know, not alone, but his goals are contributing so much to lesser success because it, it papers over any crack. I mean, like you guys said, we're conceding goals, but we're outscoring people. So it's okay. Last year we go down one, nothing. There's a good chance we didn't come back because we were going to pass, pass, pass. And so it is great to see it. And again, you know, a lot of us, I think rightly so, were maybe not skeptical, but just waiting to see what Tammy Abraham was going to give Chelsea in the Premier League this season. And holy smokes, I mean, that kid is giving it all. Uh, He's doing it. Headers, uh, volleys, poachers goals. I mean, he's just getting involved in all these different ways. And I think it's just been so exciting to to see that come out of it. Well, it is. It is super interesting to see that he actually, you know, there was a a really good cross for once and a really good header. (laughs) Um, And that's been a struggle for this team this year. I mean, how many times has Zuma done everything right and then just got his angle wrong and the ball goes wide? I mean, Zuma is the master at hitting the ball down like you're supposed to. It just never seems to go between the posts. And so I think, you know, this team does need to uh, work on its heading ability a little bit, Dan. But um, but I, I was really pumped for him because especially that early on after an injury to score a, an important goal for Chelsea during this crazy uh, holiday period is, is huge for him. Yeah, and I'm also going to invalidate Jamie Vardy being the league's top goal scorer. It's going back to the days when Sergio Aguero was the penalty taker for oh City. Vardy with three penalties this season to bring him up to 14. So Tammy Abraham, 11. Jamie Vardy, 11. All Open right. play, Tammy Abraham, just as effing dangerous. Oh, well, there you go. We'll uh, we'll go ahead and rewrite the stats books and uh, make an annotation, rightly so. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we're back, again, we're going to be talking about Mason Mount, uh, a little bit of the interesting heat he is getting. And we're going to look ahead at some of the other players who had also also had outstanding performances. If only I could put together a coherent sentence. I apologize, listeners. So thank you to the sponsor for financially supporting the show. And when we're back, we're going to get right back into it. All right, Mason Mount. This bullet point is specifically for the individuals or anonymous Twitter profiles. You choose. Questioning, why is he playing at the halfway point of the match? So, I don't know. I mean, look. He's been a little bit out of the team. You know, it's for one reason or another, maybe it's tactical selection, uh, give him a, a little bit of a rest. You can also say Christian's been in really good form. Uh, William's been in good form. A multitude of factors, but he's back. But Nick, uh, I want to defer to you a little bit. I mean, Dan's got his halftime tweet here in the script. Uh, there's a lot of replies, a lot of um, interesting chants from the Villa fans. But I guess overall, like, what did you make of mason's day out and obviously the fact that you know maybe he's been a little a little you know hard done for minutes recently yeah i I think when you have world-class n'golo conte come back and and play like world-class n'golo conte the space in the midfield is going to get tight i mean i think we're what i love most about mason is how uh, tactically flexible he is he can play an eight he can play a 10 he can play on a wing and I think it just, you know, for for all of the, you know, rotation fiends out there, and we know that you're listening, uh, I think he's going to be an incredibly valuable piece of this of this movement as we go forward because you could tell at the end of the match today that William and Christian were spent. And, you know, so a Callum and a Mason being able to play the wings for a match and spell them is probably a, a really good uh, a substitute uh, pair. So I like that. Um, what I 
Dan, I think what I found most about or found most fascinating about Mason today, and maybe the, what he was doing differently to try and get the goal, uh, he was switching with Christian and William, and and kind of finding unique pockets of space. Not even that of a number ten, but just almost as a second striker at times, almost like playing right behind Tammy to try and like direct. He was like a, a race car trying to drag off of him. Um, I, I think he was he was just kind of all over the place, and it was unpredictable for Villa's backline. Well, I think it, you don't have to look further than the quotes from the manager, the man, the myth, the legend, Frank Lampard, around Mason, saying that I don't think Mason should be measured solely on goals. We had an international break; they did not start a couple of games, but it's just a uh, but goals are just a part. And his all-around game in the second half is what we expect of him because it wasn't just the goal. It was the threat he had from the edge of the box, his link-up and winning the ball back in high areas, which is his game. I thought he had a really good second half. And yeah, yeah, he might have struggled a little bit in that first half, but I think he is a player who is integral to what this side is going to do. He is going to press to win the ball. For someone who's a, a little bit smaller in size, is able to muscle some people off who are a little bit bigger than him, own the ball retention, move it forward at, at a pace, connect well with Christian, with William, with a, you know Tammy, has a good awareness about where to be. He put himself in some positions early in the second half to, you know, header could have had a little bit more power on it. He could have had a goal there. Unlucky, you know, Heaton had some opportunistic saves, but again, finds himself in the right position when Tammy puts that ball directly on his foot and Mason just converts it with tons of power. So, Again, he's not going to be scoring goals at a one per goal game, like a game record, a rate. But what he is going to do is he's going to consistently press. He's going to offer versatility and he's going to move the ball around at speed and press it forward, which is when you look at what maybe, you know, the individual who wasn't in this side, Jorginho today, what Jorginho doesn't always do that Mason does really, really well is Mason looks to move the ball forward with the first pass every time. Jorginho tends to go flat or side to side to try to find or open up a lane where Mason's going to try to make a lane happen. I think that's what I enjoy and value about what he does in those moments uh, that sometimes I don't always see out of Jorginho. I think the only thing about his game that I think right now, I think Frank is probably working with him on, is, is the late run into the box. So I think there were times today, Brandon, as you were watching him, where him and Christian were almost too tight together and they, they weren't creating enough space for each other. I, I would love to see Mason have a late run into the box, a, l- a little bit like his goal, where he was playing off of someone and, and gives himself space because I, I want Christian to attack people and have fancy footwork in the box. I want Mason to bury him because I know he can. I don't know what you thought about that, but I'm, I've, I'm convinced that Frank wants him to do that. <laughs> just seemed like it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Mason, just he's he's got so much energy. He's ready to you know, be in the thick of it right away. And like you said, I think um, if he kind of lets the first wave go through and realizes he can come in late or second, um, he'll find a lot more space and and time to get that. And like you said, him and Christian probably, you know, they've been playing the same position a little bit. They're, They're thinking the same thing. And, you know, Mason, when he comes centrally, has to change his frame of mind a little bit about where he's best used on the pitch. Um, but, you know, D- Dan out here throwing shade at, at people, you know, Chelsea 1920 tweet, <laughs> what's a clean sheet? Poor B underscore Levy saying Mount has not impressed last couple of matches. Then Dan tweets right after Mason scores. 
the faces of those people adding us with mountain negativity <laughs> in the first half after seeing him score just now with the funny gif. Well, it's the it's the Peloton lady, the terrible commercial. <laughs> it's so good. B underscore Levy back. I feel the shade, dot, dot, dot. Dan, just creating good. divides in the Chelsea community. One no, no, sub-tweet no, no, at no. a time. It, it wasn't that divide. subtle, Dan. <laughs> Not divide. More about trying to bring people together and to be ha- have patience uh, for the full 90. And Dan's way of the highway, you. as it, as it's always said. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, they're, yep, oh. def- definitely true. But, also, uh, the best the best place of Mountain thing, sorry, really quick. Yeah, go uh, for it. He, w- he was getting the you're just a shit uh, Jack Grealish chance from the <laughs> Birmingham, uh, from uh, from Villa fans in the, in the first half, and then as soon as he scored, they basically all the Chelsea fans turned that around on Grealish, and I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Good banter between the fans, and uh, you know one of them came out on top. Quite indeed, but man, Grealish is having a great season for Villa, just for, for sure. what it is. Unbelievable hair, ten out of ten. <laughs> I really thought it looked like Zac Efron out there. Like that's that's exactly what it reminded oh, me man. of. Yeah, you think you think Ronaldo hasn't had an impact on football? That's that's his impact. That's his legacy. It's, it's the mental side good. of the game, the intimidation, <laughs> the you know, just flexing on the other guys out there on the pitch. Yeah, you know, there's been many times Nick has texted the group. It just flabbergasted and destroyed that we haven't scored. I mean, think about it: twenty five shots, nine on goal. All right, almost one out. You know, one out of every three. You know, a little over, but you're just hoping for that end product to to come out of that. And we've seen it multiple times this season, and you know, I said if we're playing a better team, like you might not come out of that. But that's the Champions League, right? That's a different stage. We're playing Villa today. We got through it, but that's the kind of the litmus test you have to say. All right, you know, how good is this team going to be on the big stage? Are we ready? And if you're not, that's still okay. Our average age, we're playing like 22, 23 year old teams right now like as far as an average age so it's a learning and it's a building thing but the fact that they're showing character to at least push through and fight to the last you know minutes of the match i think that that's a really important character thing i like to always say that a little bit of heartbreak is good motivation for the next season you know get close to something come up short i mean the fire in the belly the rest of the season the off season too so i think there's a lot to lot to to play for nick you talked about a lot of people who are potentially having a really good season for Chelsea. I'm going to need you to condense that to these 90 minutes today. Um, you've got William, maybe. Aspie is a left back, potentially. Kovacic, Kante is a pivot, little combo option. Rolls, Reese, James. I mean, you don't have to choose any of them, but I'm just trying to poke the fire a little bit here. That's, that's, let's see, that is, Keppa. Uh, that's five, that's five out of the 11. So, uh, yeah, Keppa. Um, actually we should talk about Kepa really quick because I, I, look, (laughs) no, no, it's good. It's a good one today. I I think the, the goal that we gave up was super fucking annoying and awkward. And, you know, Trezeguet tries to head the ball down to himself, shins it into the goal. Kepa's, you know, stood there frozen because Reese, uh, let Trezeguet in. And I think, um, you know, it could be a nice bridge to that conversation, but um, Kepa makes two huge saves at the end of the game. Um, you know, saves the game for Chelsea. Uh, under any other goalkeeper, uh, goalkeeper circumstance, Brandon would be, a, you know, a 
definite candidate for man of the match with that kind of performance. Not a candidate for our very strict Dan of the match poll, as you know. But thoughts on Keppa as you watched him kind of return to glory? Well, I I think like the the fair pressure from a few weeks ago was right. And I think that this talk about, you know, even Frank in the media, potentially new goalkeeping coach, he knows about that. He hears it. Like the fans are like, you're better than that. You need to play better than that. And I think that it's very easy for him to get complacent. He's only got Willie Caballero pushing him, right? A a bullpen catcher. Like, his job is to be the backup. And if he plays, that will surprise him. And so it's easy for Keppa to get complacent. I think that fair pressure, not overly critical, not crazy drop Kepa, sell him, bring back Courtois, nonsense. It was very much like, you need to be better. You're not winning us points. Hey, guess what? He won us points today. He had big saves in the Champions League. Obviously, it didn't work out. He had some good saves at West Ham. We're seeing what I think is the right reaction from him based on, I think, the media speculation and the questions that are coming to him. You know, this is a sign of a strong mental character but he shouldn't rest on this. Like, oh, all right, did it a couple games. Going to go ahead and chill for a little bit. Like, this Nailed needs it. to be the new standard and continue to grow off of it. But, Dan, you can talk about a positive. Nick pivoted off it a little bit. We, you know, went down the Kepa Road. Um, where, you know, we threw half the team out for names. Maybe you've got something <laughs> sneaky under your... Oh, I think it's William. I think William all day when... The second half, he had a, an inspired performance. He was all over the place. He was pressing. He was dropping back to win back balls. The way he and Reese, from a from a positive point for Reese, I know we kind of questioned maybe his positioning on the goal and letting Trezeguet in. His ability to interchange with William and the way that they were working together when Reese came in and cut in deeper, and then William went outside to try to push the ball forward. I mean, on another day, just like Tammy, if William's luck was a few inches in either direction, he might have been on a brace this game, maybe more. So putting himself in a good position, taking higher quality shots, not hanging on the ball as long. This was a very, very polished, mostly second half. I, I think it, we saw shades of it in the first half, Nick, but it, I think the second half we saw the William, captain's armband William, that we should be seeing uh, from time to time. But do you count it against them that the end product still isn't there? Oh, no, I, I think this one, he was taking much better shots than he yeah. typically would take. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that, Brandon. I, like, I think there there have been times where, you know, like the last match against West Ham where he ripped a shot that was not even remotely close to the goal. And you're like, how? Like, I've seen you score wonder goals. And that is like you know, four yards wide. So I I thought today was much better decision-making. I think, Dan, your point on the interchange between uh, Reese and William was fantastic. They started in the second half uh, developing this thing where, where, you know, especially to get the ball out and to to take up a little bit more time past the 80th minute, because I think everyone was gassed, where, where William would take off and Reese would play a perfect straight through ball down the sideline and William would be able to collect it and bring everyone forward. And I think they just started developing that little connection. And then also when William would get a little stagnant on the outside, Reese would kind of fill in that assist Piliqueta role um, on the right. And when you have both of those guys 
able to put in a cross from either position, it puts that left back in an incredibly hard uh, position and it forces them to make a choice and, and maybe even bring people out from the goal a little bit. So uh, I think it just creates opportunity all over the place. And, and yeah, I thought William was much better today than he was at the weekend. I, I think that also kind of, you know, for me, pivots the point to what, you know, the, the emerging relationship between uh, between uh, Christian and Dave, because I think it's going to be really important, much like uh, much like Reese um, and, and William, that those two develop a better chemistry. They haven't quite got there yet, and I wouldn't expect them to, to be fair. But I think there is major opportunity over the next couple of weeks um, as they consistently play together. Uh, to get there, and, and I'm hoping that they do. So Pulisic, uh, on who scored, had a 7.75 rating, five shots, one on target, one off target, three blocked, 88% pass success, to Mike Ryan's point, six dribbles, okay? That's a lot. He was, let me see, first by a mile. William had four, so he was in second. And again, dribbles, having that many is a huge thing. Won a couple aerial challenges, had a tackle, uh, was dispossessed three times, but overall, with just stats like that, um, you know, wildly overwhelming um, in the positive side for him. So, it, it, you know, if if anything, Dan, probably your your poll shows our American bias versus the club poll. I think the club poll is a little generous on our difference. Oh, but what do yeah. you think? Lay it out for the people. Well, Let them decide. Well, well, the club poll was Tammy Abraham, William Mason Mount, Reese James. We had very similar uh, individuals in our poll. Tammy Abraham made the poll for the Dan of the Match. Mason Mount, William all made the Dan of the Match poll. Christian Pulisic was in place of Reese James for us. Uh, much like the club account, we had a lot of people scratching their heads wondering why Kovacic wasn't there. I mean, really? I mean, most of you are going to vote Tammy Abraham anyway, so let's just get that out of the way. 55% of you did. And he was the winner. Mason Mountain second place with 22%. Pulisic with 14 And then William with 9 Undisputed Tammy Abraham, man of the match. All right. So uh, at, let's, we can wrap it up with the Premier League table here. Uh, Liverpool still annoyingly at the top of the table, 43 points. Starting to pull away from Leicester City, cementing themselves in second on 35 points. Manchester City third, 32 points. And Chelsea hanging in there fourth on 29 points. Wolves fifth at 23, United flying up the table to sixth and 21 points, tied with Palace also on 21 points, Spurs no longer in the relegation zone up to eighth on 20 points, and then just as the way it goes down, Sheffield United, Arsenal, Burnley, Bournemouth, West Ham, Newcastle, Aston Villa, Brighton, Southampton, Everton, Norwich, I'm just kidding, Nick Norwich, and Watford. That table... It's we're starting to see some gaps. We're starting to see some divides. But if you think about it, Dan, Manchester United and Spurs have both won a couple games, climbed the table. Arsenal are still floundering with a, a new manager and in interim. I mean, the table just it is nothing what we anyone ever would have thought. As we're now in December, I believe you said the table starts to not lie around this time. Am I right? I think that's that's accurate. I mean, when you have Watford at eight points, I'm sorry, you are not going to be in the Premier League next season. You have been voted off the island. Survivor Jeez. in the tribe has spoken. Whereas Liverpool, 
are in a very, very scary position that no one wants to accept or admit to. Um, it has been greatly assisted by VAR, um, whether it's taking away from other teams or giving to Liverpool. Uh, 538 right now has them with a 70% uh, probability of winning the league, which is absolutely Boring. terrible. Yeah. Uh, what is also uh, maybe potentially the good thing that 538 is saying is that there's a 72% chance or probability right now that uh, Chelsea do qualify for the Champions League in a top four spot along 84% with Leicester. It's only Tottenham that has another double digit percent chance at 20% probability. Uh, United at 8% probability. Whoa, at four, that's the so. Jose effect. Holy crap. I mean, what other reason would you expect Spurs to so confidently be in Champions League? Yeah, you uh, you shouldn't because if you uh, watch them, uh, they have just as many problems now that they did when Reno arrived. It's just that they have a better coach and will hopefully, you know, for them, nick some more results, but they still have to contend with the fact that Leicester look amazing that City have all this talent and that we seem to be able to produce a result out of nothing occasionally. So if that trend continues over the next one, two, three weeks, if we hit the end of December, beginning of January, and there's a 10-point, 12-point maybe gap that starts to form between us and then that next tier, it's going to be really, really difficult for for Spurs and for United to consider themselves you know, European clubs. Anyone else on the table talk? Mm. A lot, lot of ball left to play. I think... We, just as we just, <laughs> thanks, just as no thanks um just as we were talking after the West Ham defeat it it's not just about you know kind of right now I think Chelsea have a lot of room to grow this year which is really exciting but they have to realize that potential um and start realizing it in a big way so we'll see what happens there uh all right well that's gonna wrap us up ladies and gentlemen let us know what you agreed with let us know what you didn't agree with and uh, we'll keep this conversation going into the weekend uh the rest of you thank you so much for listening we really do appreciate all of your ears and your time uh but until next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high